The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kubule Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I am Kule Agbayani alongside Paul Brecht. How are you guys doing today? Hope everyone, yeah, had a good Monday. Very interesting uh, college football championship game that we witnessed yesterday, which we will get to in just a second. Uh, also coming up on the show, I know yesterday we said we would get into more UH men's and women's basketball. Ran out of the time, so we will do that today and get a little NFL talk as there are still more and more coaching vacancies going on. You heard Chaz Ontai talk about Ron Rivera and the Commanders. Well, the newest one to come down this morning is Mike Rabel for the Tennessee Titans has been fired, and we'll get to all of that coming up. Um, but first things first, though, how's this weather? I hope you guys are dry and, and are... Um, Hope all of the children. I didn't know. I didn't see that on the news. I just heard it right now with Chaz Ontai's report about the children being in that, uh, like the tree falling and the accident yesterday. So I hope everything will be okay with them. And I hope all of you guys are staying safe out there. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. And we're not, it's not about to let up anytime soon. So please drive safe. Uh, please don't go out if you don't have to. I mean, right now the weather's nice, but. It should get worse again. And then the power outages and everything like that. Did you have any power outages where you are? Yes. Uh, it actually went out right around, I think, nine. Maybe it was ten. Mm. Somewhere between that area. Right right as I was just about getting ready to settle in for the night. Oh, okay. And everything bad, just kind of clicked. And I was like, oh, there, there are the rolling <laughs> there blackouts that we were promised earlier in the day. So... Uh, yeah, no, definitely been some interesting weather. I thankfully made it dry today to the studio. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to make it dry to UH for some media availability later today, but we'll see. Um, cautiously optimistic, at least on that end. That's a good um, way to phrase it. I mean, right now, yeah. like I said, looking out in out uh, outside of the den, it looks really nice over here in Kalihi. Can see a lot of blue skies and the clouds are very still, though. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Either way, I hope everyone please uh, stay safe out there. And at least the blackout didn't happen, or they didn't do the rolling blackouts during the game. Although I know some people did lose power during the college football championship yesterday. So. Uh, that's unfortunate. Hopefully they had like their cell phone and kind of in the beginning, I got a text message. It was that would stink. Yeah. It was kind of in the beginning, but luckily, I mean, there's like phones you can use. Hopefully your phone doesn't die. Everyone get your emergency preparedness things going on. Um, but Washington falling to Michigan, 34, 13, (sighs) Michigan was favored by that five and a half over under 55 and a half and neither of it hit. And this is why it's all for fun <laughs> when we talk about what we're doing. But on on the flip side, though, Michigan, to me, I, I still feel confident in saying that I thought that they could have won. They could have won, excuse me, because they did look like a really solid team. It's just that they were barred with some injuries and then uh, they let up a couple of those long runs in the beginning of the game, but were able to adjust. Um 
I mean, running back Dylan Johnson, their main running back, had 11 carries for only 33 yards, but he had said he suffered a high ankle sprain on the first play of the game. We know he was already banged up from the previous game, a game that he shouldn't have been banged up because he shouldn't have should have just taken a knee and then he wouldn't have been that banged up in the first place but nonetheless he did go back into the game but was used more of like a decoy slash blocker had a couple of runs but was not his normal explosive self so that pretty much took away that that portion of the offense for Washington Michael Penix Jr. he didn't look as sharp especially in the second half he took a really hard hit in the beginning of the second half and then after that his throws seemed a little off and was just mistimed a couple of the wide open uh, receivers that he had, he saw Odunze a couple of times and oh, I, it's like replaying in my head when it's just over the shoulder and just could not connect. That would have likely been a touchdown for Washington. And then you had in the fourth quarter, I mean, Roger Rosengarden, I mean, got called for that hold after another deep ball to Odunze that would have gained them significant yardage that they needed. And it was a hold that, let's just say we saw worse holds that weren't called in the game. So it was kind of surprising when they showed the replay. I'm like, that's the hold that you're going to call, really? Um, but, hey, nonetheless, Michigan did what they needed to do to beat Washington. But I do feel still that Washington was a solid team. Uh, congrats, of course, to St. Louis alum, Roman Wilson. He had three catches for 54 yards. So at least he comes he comes home as a champion. So that that's cool. You know, want to give a shout out to the local kids doing big things. Uh, so that's exciting for him. J.J. McCarthy, 10 for 18 for 140 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Proving true to what Paul and I were talking about yesterday is that J.J. McCarthy is just, eh. He's mid he's, like he's 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 the guy that, you know, maybe he'll be a backup somewhere. But he's, he's a college game manager, guys. Pretty, pretty like, much. Yeah. Like we we all joked about Cam Newton calling like Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy and all of them game managers. And he did kind of end up being right, which is funny and all. J.J. McCarthy is that level except in the college ranks at this point, or at least yeah. it feels that way and obviously he may have traits he may have the ability to do more and that's just not what the Michigan offense asks of him I believe they rushed for over 300 yards last mm-hmm. night it's last night I, I yeah, don't know Blake, Blake Corum ran for almost as much as JJ McCarthy threw so. yeah it's it was an impressive all-around rushing attack the defense did what they needed to do. And you're right. Michael Penix just didn't necessarily look like the Penix we had seen all season up to this point. A lot of missed throws, took a couple of big hits. You could see him wincing in pain mm-hmm. oftentimes as the game late, went later on. Nonetheless, like you said, congratulations to Michigan. A phenomenal, phenomenal team finishing off a season at 15-0. and uh, and now Jim Harbaugh can ride off into the sunset back to the NFL and they can take their next step as a as a program, whatever that may be. I also did think this, I think it was last night after the game or maybe it was this morning on my drive-in, just how like it, it seems kind of fitting where it's like Harbaugh is going to go to the NFL, J.J. McCarthy is going to follow suit. I think Harbaugh will end up drafting him wherever he goes with that first round pick. And then um, the offensive coordinator, I think it is for Michigan, the one who took over while Harbaugh was suspended, he'll take over on the staff as the head coach. That's my prediction. You heard it here first on January 9th. (laughs) And I hope you are, well, 
we'll get to the coaching thing a little later, so I'll bring that up later. But uh, going back to the game, I think the funniest part was after the game, the fact that cheaters... <laughs> Was trending on Twitter. It just added to the fun of it. I know Brett McMurphy from the Action Network kept talking about, uh, he kept tweeting little things. Basically, one of his main tweets was, the NCAA can't strip a school from a title until the title game is completed. So take that how you must. Uh, the irony of everything coming together and Jim Harbaugh potentially leaving to the NFL just makes it more fascinating but it's surprising though Mich- he did what he like set out to do they they brought him to Michigan to bring Michigan back to glory brings them the first title since 1997 I still can't believe it's been that long but eh, they, they, they were okay I still believe Michael Penix Jr. is a very very good quarterback again the first half he still looked like close to what we've seen but just some of those mistimed throws. And it was the second half. Again, he took that hard, hard shot in the beginning of the second half. And then that's when he got up wincing, played all the way through at the very end too. I mean, kudos to that kid. He stayed in the game and you could see him. He was just like getting up. And then after, I don't know if he, he probably cracked some ribs or something, but you can tell after the entire second half, he was banged up. But I still believe he, like he is definitely, if you just watched yesterday's game alone, and you actually watched it and you could tell that he was dealing with some pain and not having a running back or a safety net like J.J. McCarthy had in Blake Corum. You could tell that he is by far a way better quarterback alone than J.J. McCarthy. And maybe it was Jim Harbaugh. I think it was our Michael Lescaro that put it in our group text where it was like all it took was Jim Harbaugh to say that J.J. McCarthy is like the best quarterback that Michigan has ever seen for all the quote experts to be like oh yeah he's totally the best quarterback and gonna be in the nfl but i'm like if you just watch the game I mean, you watch this guy with your eyeballs like there is nothing to me that stands out that's that special he's not super high on the draft boards anyways even the betting market does not have him that high but just the simple fact that again the experts have even entertained the fact that he is a top tier quarterback it I mean, just boggles my mind maybe to the, be fair, the size of him and he's on a winning team i'm sitting here and i'm trying to think you are a little bit more experienced in the college football realm than i am Koo, so correct me if i'm wrong but i'm sitting here trying to think of a good michigan quarterback and there's tom brady obviously and that's what people will probably even hear he was that like there's a reason he was a sixth-round pick. Like, when we're talking specifically at Michigan, the quarterback play while they were wearing the maize and gold, or the gold and blue, I don't know, whatever. I don't care. Um, I mean, it's not the craziest thing off the top of my head, because I am trying to think of another good Michigan quarterback. Think of one that's gone to the NFL since Tom Brady that has been elite. I can't. It escapes me. If you can, can. text us, 808-888-KG1. But no, in in general, it is wild. But nonetheless, I think that says more about the state of the quarterback position at Michigan than anything else. Well, I mean, it's probably a similar idea like we've seen Alabama for many, many years up before like to a Jalen Hurts era. So up until recently, it was all about getting the best running back. And your quarterbacks were like... Game managers, essentially, just Where, like J.J. McCarthy. With all due respect to Jalen Milrow, I mean, there's a reason why Alabama had to scratch and claw their way into the playoff this mm-hmm. year, and it's because they didn't have 
elite talent at the quarterback position because they got a lot of great talent otherwise. Milrow is very good as well. Nonetheless, wanting to go back to your Penix point, he is a good quarterback. He's going to go most yeah. likely in the first round. He'll go in the first two days. I do urge people to remember when draft season comes around, this is a guy who is playing his sixth year of college football. That does end up holding some weight for NFL teams. And on top of that, you do have to remember during his time at Indiana, four season-ending injuries, a couple of ACL tears. Like there's, There is some baggage some with stuff. this guy when it comes to... Uh, the football career longevity uh, uh, of things. He's also 23. So. Right. Well, and that's kind of where I'm I'm talking, where it's like he is an older prospect of going into the league with an injury, whatever. So if he does fall, don't necessarily think that's an indictment on his talent and don't think that's a national game, like, slide. Mm-hmm. Look more at the the outer factors, I'll say, because that's... That will be more the case because this isn't, I, I'll say, this isn't like a C.J. Stroud versus Georgia last year where it kind of really boosted him and secured those questions after a lot of questions were there. <laughs> um, and, and now look how that ended up for him. I don't think it will be that except an opposite effect, but I do think people will remember this national game and be like, oh, how is he a first-round pick and blah, blah, blah. Or be like, oh, how did he slide so far? Did people, you know, have too much bias from one game? Yeah. So, Either way, I think Michigan, or not Michigan, Washington, I mean, be it that this was the final hurrah of the Pac-12 as we know it. I mean, Kevin DeBoer did a great job turning around that program. And you can look forward to a bright future for Michigan fans. The only thing, though, is that uh, we talked about this before, but their run to the national championship game, and this is via Sportacle, has earned them $11.7 million, and not them necessarily, but for the Pac-12 conference, which they will likely not see. So the CFP pays league $6 million for each team it places in the semifinals and $4 million for each member that plays in a New Year's New Year Six Bowl that's not a semifinal. There's an additional $2.85 million to cover expenses for each, ga- each game played. So this year, the Pac-12 CFP Bowl hauled in $18.55 million, $11.7 million from Washington's run, and $6.85 million from Oregon's Fiesta Bowl birth. But that, my friends, as we say, goes straight to the conference, the conference of two. So Oregon and Washington will likely not see any of that money. And we already know they tried to go through the courts and the courts denied that they could touch that money. So Washington State and Oregon State are sitting pretty uh, nice there on the top of a lot, a lot of money. And that's going to determine a lot of what happens with the Pac-12. Could we see an actual merger with the Mountain West and the Pac-12? I don't know. But either way, and I told you guys this before, if the Pac-12 does completely dissipate, then the money will get go to the schools. But if I'm Washington State and Oregon State, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm going to sit here and take the money. Uh, last but not least, rounding up our college football conversation for now. Uh, 
Georgia is the early betting favorite for to win next year's national championship game at plus 350, followed by Alabama at plus 550, Ohio State 8-1, to Michigan all the way down there at 9-1, to along with Texas, actually. And Oregon, I'm kind of surprised that they're so low on this, but they're at 10-1 to odds. So if I go to Vegas, I might need to put a little sprinkle on Oregon to win the national championship next year. They're stacked. They are stacked. So the Jaden Maiava transfer just catapults Georgia to the top. Eh. I'm saying that tongue in cheek. Yeah. Totally, totally <laughs> kidding. My, if you had missed it, Jaden Maiava, the former starting quarterback for UNLV, announced his transfer to the University of Georgia yesterday. So uh, we joked about that because he'll most likely spend a year on the bench learning the system and whatnot behind Carson Beck and so on and so forth. But I did want to get that little tongue-in-cheek yeah. joke in there um, to, to say he catapulted them all the way to That's the top. That's what he did. Georgia was nothing so, without yeah, Jaden Maiava over Jade there. Without Jaden Maiava. Ask Big Dave. Maybe he'll tell you that. <laughs> Shout out Kaimuki 2019. Jaden Maiava. And then we also joked that because uh, Dylan Riola was committed to Georgia but then flipped to Nebraska, we were like, oh, well, they probably, whatever money was allocated for Dylan, then they just gave it to Jaden <laughs> instead. So there you go. There's the NIL money. They had a uh, one Hawaii quarterback tie uh, another. quota. <laughs> to fill That's you know it's uh, Kirby Smart said he needed four scholarship quarterbacks it really was just we need somebody with a connection to the Hawaiian Islands yeah. who can play quarterback so we can keep the the fan base going because they saw Alabama take full advantage of the Hawaii fan base. When if Tua they were smart, like there. on a real note, if they were smart, they'd actually do. Actually, that. that's another one we were waiting to see where he goes as Talia Tongovailoa to see where he ends up, and we'll definitely keep you posted on that. But we definitely have to step aside. When we come back, we'll talk some NFL and get you caught up with the coaching vacancies and maybe a little bit of a dream scenario for us here. We'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den. Kuule Agbayani and Paul Brecht talked a lot about the college football playoff championship. Want to give a shout out to our texter. <laughs> he was texting us during our time up in Las Vegas. Because he's a Detroit guy and uh, enjoyed our conversation with the owner of Circa Resort and Casino, Derek Stevens. So shout out. He said he texted in, great day to be a Michigan fan. Go blue and sent us a really adorable picture of his two little girls wearing Michigan shirts. So, all right, we'll take, we're cheering for Washington, but we'll, we'll take this. We'll, we're always <laughs> happy for people being happy. That is the biggest thing of our station, if you pay attention at all. But I love this so much. Thank you for texting in again. You guys can text in 808-888-KGU1-808-888-5481. So, uh, yeah, shout out to all of all of the Michigan fans and especially Roman Wilson, the St. Louis alum that, oh, that's pretty awesome. Like being able to be a local boy, call yourself national champ i mean he won his career's not even over yet titles right yeah. i was gonna say he was because st louis was still good back <laughs> like, then right it, it feels go i was gonna say that was I feel before like they always Kuhuku's, win uh, it's between them and kahuku and then you get like a sprinkle <laughs> of mililani like here and there every once in a while but for the most part it's just what back i mean and forth. state championship national championship i mean next up for him is the world championship right the yeah. super bowl i know that uh, there's People who cringe from that, but 
Yeah, the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, that's next. If you want a winner, draft Roman Wilson. That's what I'm hearing. Yee! All right. So before we get to NFL, actually, I forgot to. Well, we talked about the Jaden Maiava thing, told everyone about that. The other thing, though, that I saw tweeted by Brett McMurphy, and we had this discussion when we had Craig Angelish in studio, but it seems like for the most part, the Oregon-Hawaii game will not happen this upcoming season, sources told the Action Network. So we kind of knew what was coming down the pipe. I do need to check with Craig. Hopefully we can get him on this week to know whether or not it's completely canceled. Hence, Hawaii gets a payout or if they're just kicking it further down because they still have to play a couple more games per their initial agreement. And if you guys missed that conversation with Craig, one, you can get it on demand at hoysportsradio.com or our YouTube channel. But just to summarize, because I know a lot of people, including ourselves here, are bummed considering, you know, Dylan Gabriel, it would have been awesome, Oregon coming here. It just doesn't make any financial sense for Hawaii to play that game when there are other options because of the stadium situation. So a lot of the revenue is made Additional revenue is made from the tickets being sold, and a game like that would draw a very big crowd, but they do have to give some of the ticket allocation to Oregon, so Hawaii would have approximately only 13,000 tickets to sell, whereas they could either take the payout from Oregon, which is, I want to say it's like over a million dollars, to completely scrap the game, or... They move it further down when we have a bigger stadium and then you can sell more tickets and generate more revenue. So for the bottom line reasons, it makes all the sense in the world for Hawaii to punt this game down or get rid of it. It does make us sad because it just the story writes itself with the Hawaii ties with Oregon and just Oregon being the powerhouse that they are. And people want to see that Oregon you know, team in person. But Unfortunately, we get it. Hawaii does have to fill that vacancy, though, in their schedule. That's the important thing because, again, Craig said they are, you can fill it with one FCS school that will count towards your record. If you get another FCS school, that'll be easier to schedule, but it wouldn't count should Hawaii get that win. They need to get that six or seven wins to make it to the bowl game. So there's a bunch of stuff going on. So hopefully we can uh, get Craig on to shed a little more light in terms of what exactly they're doing and we could potentially see a game get announced soon hopefully that we've been told but yeah and say right now there there are some fun things that could be coming down the pipeline especially when it comes to uh football and that's super exciting this is obviously a really disappointing thing for a lot of hawaii football fans not just university of hawaii but just hawaii people in general you mentioned the dylan gabriel ties i know you specifically have some familial ties with oregon and i'm sure that that's the case with a lot of people here in hawaii it seems that it has been a very popular school for young athletes to continue their career from hawaii to the mainland going directly there we talk a lot about the bishop gorman to uh pipeline we almost have (laughs) that pipeline from the islands to the university of oregon (laughs) so yeah definitely disappointing in that sense but doesn't mean that it won't get rescheduled like you said down the line doesn't mean that in the future they won't be able to continue to play these matchups and set up a new deal but at the end of the day disappointing because Dylan would have come home, would have been able to go through that. But like you said, financially makes a ton of sense mm-hmm. just the way that it could be, especially if you are kicking it down the line and 
you know, all things fall the right way. Maybe in 2028. I was going to say, maybe you're finally playing a game in a stadium that you actually see some financial benefit from as well. We'll keep you guys posted, though, again, and try to get Craig to talk a little bit of story. Not only that, but a lot of the changes that were made when he came in, I know he's hasn't talked about it yet, but I don't think we got to talk about some of the revenue that's been generated for things like adding courtside seats to the arena game. So we'll effort that. Um, but yeah. And oh, another thing that we should we could potentially know some of the new coaches that are part of the UH football program by sometime next week is what I've been told. But there was also some, if you guys were on social media, <laughs> Jeff Reinbold doing an interview from what looks like what appears to be uh, fo- or one of the offices there. So he's here. Maybe he's borrowing an office. I don't know. But nonetheless, uh, we should expect some announcement of the new coaches on staff by sometime next week. So be sure to stick around for that. All right. Dang it. We're already up against the. <laughs> it always happens that way, dude. What? It's the football thing, man. It really is. Gosh I darn mean, it. Especially once we start talking <laughs> UH football. I mean, and it only... <laughs> Only hurts us, and I, I say hurts <laughs> us. UH football begins again here in a couple I know, of weeks. At the too. end of this month, it's so, so crazy. Not you know, not to rain on anybody's parade if you're not a football person, but yeah. uh, expect some more football coming up. Like you said, expecting a few more announcements to the staff ahead of spring practices as well. So, got to see them start to move a little bit quicker we'll say over the next yeah. three weeks i gotta see when the the game and stuff is because i want to try to effort also going to the spring game or spring yeah probably spring game for oregon so that'll be fun you know i always take you guys on our journey on our social media so that'll be fun if i can head out to oregon uh for their spring game and yeah Give a chat with Dylan Gabriel. It'll be fun. A lot of stuff coming up this year, but got to step aside. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of NFL and then definitely get into our <laughs> UH basketball discussion. I promise. I promise. We'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Ogbiani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. <laughs> Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Tent, Kule Agbayani and Paul Brecht. Woo, excuse me. <laughs> Shoot, I don't know if I got our live reaction that was recorded on video. Dang it. Uh, we just got a very interesting text message that, that I don't think we can. I don't know if we can. I don't know. I don't know. We'll wait for it. Anyways, let's just say that something that we had mentioned earlier in the show uh, we thought it, we, it we totally did. We did a peak. We did an on three peak where um, everyone thought it was one thing and it could potentially be something else. So stay tuned. We got the breaking news here for you people. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I am, I wish I knew what to say. Usually it takes a lot to make me speechless. Uh, <laughs> if you've listened to this show, I'm sure you know that because I never shut up. Um, but no, that that was a surprising text. Uh, looking forward to sharing with you guys later today. Um, at, by the time this comes out on YouTube, you guys will probably know some news. But either way, um, football always oh is my changing. Gosh. That's Football's what we'll say. Changing. Football and- is always changing, and I know we can't talk 
much more about college football because we got to get into college basketball. But man, what what a drama football the sport is, and I love it so much. I seriously cannot. Dang it! What? Oh, usually, so it's funny because usually we uh, stop. Obviously, we go to commercial break, and usually we also stop the video like during commercial break so that the video doesn't cut out because we're recording this one for YouTube um but and it's unfortunate because I sometimes I forget to stop the recording and I totally wish I kept the video recording on but you can kind of get our initial reactions in this I'm just it's it's absurd it's crazy and I, I feel bad because a lot of the beautiful people are like just tell us just they're probably like very sad oh they're so angry uh, they're so us, angry and I don't just, blame them yeah I but yeah, we just, yeah. Anyways, moving on, moving on. So we'll talk a little bit real quickly about the NFL just because we talked uh, a lot about the coaching vacancies. So just to get everyone caught up right now with the head coaching vacancies as the newest announcement came via the Tennessee Titans that Mike Rabel has been fired. So the other vacancies so far are Carolina, Washington Commanders, which happened recently, the Chargers that happened throughout the season. Finally, uh, the Falcons, Arthur Smith, and thank goodness he's, I mean, if he's going to be that soft about like, yeah, 41 points going to 48, then hey, why not? You deserve to go. And the Raiders, however, Antonio Pierce got a lot of chance. He's the interim coach for Las Vegas Raiders, and he definitely got a lot of chance saying AP, AP, AP following their final game of the regular season. So I'd like to see him get the gig. He seems like he's the team guy. He's almost re- like reminiscent of like a Dan Campbell that we see in Detroit. Uh, but the Raiders... I don't know. They don't always make the best moves when it comes to head coaching hires, i.e., you know, McDaniels that came and went and was not good. And the team essentially did not like him, did not like playing for him. But everyone seems on board with Antonio Pierce. So we'll see what the Las Vegas Raiders do. But for the most part, those are the coaching coaching vacancies for sure. Other potential vacancies New England Patriots because we were not sure yet what the whole Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick situation is and then the Chicago Bears where do you reset everything if you're Ryan Poles and you know walk away from Eberflus maybe and Jim Harbaugh depending on what he decides to do what team wants to go after Jim Harbaugh yada 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 although that brings me to what Paul said earlier that if if you're true where Jim Harbaugh, wherever he goes, would like to take J.J. McCarthy with him, then I do not want him with the Chicago Bears because I do not want J.J. McCarthy. I can like feel like a Mitch Trubisky 2.0 in a J.J. McCarthy, someone that's a game manager in college, but not necessarily will be able to transition right away because they would need a quarterback right away in Chicago. And we'll see what happens. But in the best case scenario, like, well, I talked about it yesterday that the Bears would get a top quarterback, top receiver with the number one overall pick, maybe tra- trade back one slot, maybe potentially get another first round pick in the dream world. But nonetheless, and Mike Rabel is going to go to the New England Patriots to torture Paul. He is. <laughs> it's it's I've told everybody this from I, I just put it in my group chat this morning. I said, what are the Titans doing? <laughs> and they came out and they put out a statement and now sources are leaking out that they didn't want to wait and try and trade Mike Vrabel because it would take too long and be too complicated. What? 
You don't you you don't fire one of the best head coaches in the NFL because oh god this watch what the patriots do right here okay the patriots i am i would almost put <laughs> money on the fact that the patriots are going to do this they're going to trade bill belichick to either the chargers or the commanders they are going to hire mike vrabel by next week and the patriots are going to for the next 15 years not finish under 500 <laughs> Right here, right here. Look at me, look at me. You, I'm listening, the listener, you and me. I am a Jets fan. I've had to watch this happen for my entire life. That's what's going to happen. I don't know what the Titans are doing. Like, to to get back to actual real life, I don't know what the Titans are doing. I understand a shift in philosophy. I understand wanting a different voice in the building. But also, at the same time, could have done that when you fired your GM last year or two years ago. I mean, you kept Vrabel through. You tried to to. I make mean, maybe him... they're looking to reset completely now that Derrick Henry... should have done it two years Derek ago. Derrick Henry's completely gone, potentially. Well, when they traded A.J. Brown, guess what? They should have traded Derrick Henry when they still could have gotten value instead of letting him walk. And then they could have traded Mike Vrabel. Like, if this was something they wanted to do, truly get a different viewpoint in the building, they should have made that pivot two years ago. Instead, now they have... Two different timelines. You started a GM who now gets to hire his own guy, which I am a big fan of personally, Mm -hmm. but you have a head coach who didn't pick the quarterback coming in. So if Will Levis reverts back to the second round or worse next year, what's to say that head coach doesn't bench him? And now you have some turmoil, but it just, I don't understand that move from the Titans. I understand the Falcons letting... Arthur Smith go. They have picked eighth overall for the last three seasons in a row. The worst, there is one thing worse than being perpetually bad, and that is being perpetually stuck in mediocrity. And that is what the Falcons were. Especially That's why when you I have potential. That. That's kind of like the Chargers, right? Like right. You have That's why you saw awesome, Staley gone. You have an awesome quarterback in Justin Herbert. You have a killer defense, and yet they couldn't get over the hump, and then they just were awful. Granted, Justin Herbert did struggle with some injuries this season, but nonetheless, you're you're gonna like have this franchise quarterback that everyone hopes to score on and they have him. And yep, Staley, that's why he's gone, as you mentioned, Carolina. I mean, they were just awful. Frank Reich gotta let go in the season. Commanders, could we see now Eric Bienemy move up and right, take that is this head his coaching opportunity slot? Now? Potentially. Uh and then like we said with the Raiders I'd like to see Antonio Pierce get a he shot. Has to. And I don't necessarily I'm not I don't follow the Raiders as closely as are a lot of the Raider fans here in Hawaii, but from what I do see, it seems as I mentioned not too long ago, the players love him. He took over and they started winning and every the locker room seems happy and if you can get a lot of your that's like step 1. If your locker room is happy, I feel like and they play for you, they'll play even better and then it becomes X's and O's learning how to delegate between your other coaches and whatnot so for the most part I want to see him get it and then the storyline writes itself he grew up an Oakland Raiders fan and all of this so I really want to see Antonio Pierce get this job the Raiders had this in their hands a couple of years ago with Rich Bisaccia yes and they let him walk and they paid the price by hiring McDaniels Mm -hmm. and McDaniels stunk now they're paying McDaniel they still pay to get out of the building. Yeah. Most teams aren't blessed with a second chance at this. A second real chance at this. 
they got another interim coach who was able to galvanize not just the team, but the fan base Mm -hmm. in his nine games leading them. They cannot let Antonio Pierce walk out that door. Letting him walk out that door and hiring somebody else would be a massive, massive mistake, in my opinion. Just It just can't happen. He has done too good of a job to not get a full-time opportunity to build a team I mean, for God's sake, he started Aiden O'Connell and went five and four. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell was a fourth round pick. <laughs> it's not like he had some top 10 pick. It's not like he had CJ Stroud, who was in the MVP conversation. I mean, the guy, what a phenomenal year mm-hmm. of coaching from Antonio Pierce would be a travesty if the Raiders let him walk out the door. Absolute travesty if the Raiders don't let him have that job full time. Yeah, we'll wait and see what the Raiders do. And of course, the other teams as well. All right, going to take our break a little early so we have more than enough time to talk UH men's and women's basketball when we come back on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Ogbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Back to wake up in the den, Kule Hugpayani and Paul Brecht. I just, all right, guys. So the the thing that we were talking about, like that we can't tell you right now. You guys will, uh, according to our very real sources, you will find out later today. So we don't have to keep you in the dark that long. So be sure to follow us on social media at High Sports Radio because we will post it later today when everything becomes official. So, yeah, just follow us and you'll you'll, and be, you'll, in, you'll be in the know. We should start a newsletter with like, we should start a little birdie newsletter. <laughs> That'd be fun. To subscribe. Or that's how, if everyone wants a text, we'll tell you the secret. Just kidding. No, we won't tell you on text. But um, anywho, yeah, pretty big news. Uh, anyways, let's talk University of Hawaii basketball before we get too off track and with our football stuff. So we were touched on it a little bit yesterday. Uh, Rainbow Wahine basketball's huge win, 67-38 over CSUN the other night. Before we recap the game, want to uh, give you a listen to what head coach Laura Beeman had to say along with Brooklyn Ruers and the uh, the hero of the game or the celebrated one of the game, Hallie Birdsong. Uh, yeah, the second half definitely um, better than the first half. I didn't think the first half was bad. I just thought the first half had to grind it out a little bit. Um, second half, obviously, our defensive intensity improved drastically, which always generates some offense for us. Just a well-rounded game. A lot of people in double figures. Um, everyone contributed to boards. Uh, seeing how he hit that pull-up jumper was very, very fun. Um, mini game. She's our why, and she's very humble about what she means to this program. Um, but I think the reaction from the bench, the crowd, kind of sums it up. There's a 29-2 run by your team, uh, second quarter to third quarter. So just talk about the team's play uh, during that uh, period. Uh, either one of all of you are. Um, I think feeding off of one another and we got, I think it was mentioned like 13 stops in a row too, so being able to convert off of those and just playing off the energy that we give to each other from bench and people on the court, I think really feeds to that. You know, the defensive effort again, uh, second consecutive game where you're allowed a season one point, so just talk about the defensive execution uh, by your team. Where, uh, um, I think 
we just talked about like we had 13 stops in a row <clears throat> in the second half and I think it was just about us just locking in in the second half and it just shows like what we're capable of um, defensively as a team and when we do lock in it just shows like what the bar needs to be and we need to continue to grow and know what we need to work on. The, time, the team had like made three, five threes in a row at one point. I don't know if there's a rule, but end of the 17-2 run. So just talk about, you know, that hot streak and how it was kind of contagious for everybody. You know, I think when we, we talk, um, both sides of the ball, um, it creates an energy level for us. And it starts with our defense at times. I don't think in the first half we were really shot ready. I don't think our shots were bad. We just weren't ready to shoot them. And that's why you miss the shots that you think you're going to make. In the second half, everyone was very engaged, very locked in, whether it was getting a board, pushing our tempo, driving and kicking. Um, and when you get that kind of energy, you feel it. Um, we're not going to have that energy all the time we still need to win ball games, And I think that's what happened in the first half is we just didn't have the energy that we needed. Um, but our defense drives our offense. And when we're shot ready, we got a lot of people that can shoot the ball really well. Yeah. A lot of different players took over at different times. Uh, she took over early. Deja had a, a nice run and McBee also. So just talk about how fun it is to watch different players kind of take over and you know get it done for your team. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. When you have multiple weapons, it's really hard to um, scout you. And we know in any any night, BK can go off inside. She can also hit threes. You know, we know what Amani can do. You know, Amani's kind of a very quiet uh, killer, if you will. Um, Deja, big boards, hits threes, gets to the basket. Uh, you know, Kelsey's pace really generates us. So when you're watching different people step up or someone's struggling and someone takes over for you or for them, it's really, really fun to watch. And I think the thing that we're talking about the most this year is celebrating each other. You may have a bad game, but you're going to make your teammate look good and you're going to celebrate that. And this group loves that. The humility on this, this team, 1 through 15, is amazing. Well, the team is 3 and all right now and in first place in the conference. Just what do you think about your team right now and its development from where it was a week, maybe a couple of weeks ago? You know, our preseason is always really hard. We play some of the best teams in the country. We get our teeth kicked in, and it's hard to continue to grow when you get your teeth kicked in. This group has taken that as a challenge. Um, we're not looking at the past. We're not looking at the future. We're looking at the moment. So right now, we're 0-0. Zero and zero. We're going to get back to work because we have Irvine on Thursday. We have Riverside on Saturday. So our record is 0-0, zero and zero, and it's about Irvine. Now for Hallie, just talk about that last possession there. You got the ball. You're about 15 feet away from the bucket. Uh, just talk about that play and what you saw. Uh, no, well, <laughs> it, it all happened so fast. Um, I just knew, I just, when I got the ball, I just shot ready, did a shot fake, go jumped, and split to defenders and just pulled up. It's as simple as that. Can't break down any less. But I have to give credit to my teammates and this amazing coaching staff. I've been here for three years and it's been a journey thus far. and. I wouldn't want to be any other place, but I give so much credit to them. They're the ones that make me the way I am. And I'm just blessed to been have able to have the opportunity to even take that shot. So. Well, that huge, uh, it's a huge fan reaction by the bench as well. So let's talk about what that felt like to everybody, <laughs> everybody, everybody go crazy. <laughs> Honestly, I was in shock. Um, I didn't smile until like I looked over at the bench. I was like, oh my gosh, I actually made that. Because um, I know last game I had airballed and it had somewhat like got me down but like I said I have amazing coaches and amazing teammates and I just came back and 
Coach B had said um, in the locker room before we played, and she said, stay in the present. And that really helped me to just stay in the moment. Don't look too far in the future. Don't look in the past. And yeah. It wasn't luck. This kid puts work in. She puts work in. That was not luck. I have no doubt about it. That ball was going in when it left her fingertips. So you put the work in, shots fall. That was UH women's basketball head coach Laura Beeman along with Hallie Birdsong and Brooklyn Ruers following their huge 67-38 win over CSUN. And as you've heard over there, they are first place in the Big West Conference starting off 3-0. and uh, So huge success so far for the women and they don't look like they're going to slow down anytime soon as Paul said well in his tweet it was funny because you put like legit but I like your other word you used when we talked about them in the really preseason preseason where this team looks nasty as the young kids say but in a good way so for anyone that's like they look awesome and you heard Laura Beeman a lot of it is their defense and how they're able to hold teams down they had six block shots uh, and none against so they're they're as she mentioned it they play for each other they celebrate each other and you can feel that when Hallie Birdsong hit her first collegiate career basket and Kelsey Emai they constantly try to find her so that she can try to hit her basket so this team is just so fun to watch because of how much they just enjoy playing together playing for each other playing for coach Beeman and it's you guys got to come out. It's it's they're so I mean, they are on the road this week. Next week, they return home. But they're just so fun, you guys. And really, you know, a little secret. There may be some extra fun next week, Thursday. Just going to say that's all all we can say. All we're going <laughs> to all we're going to say. But you're going to be there, too. That's all I'm going to say about that as well. This team's awesome, man. Like, if you like good people who are talented at what they do, you should just go support the women's basketball team. The Rainbow Wahine are so fun to watch. They kick the snot out of anyone and everyone who gets in their way, and they do it with a big old smile on their face the whole yeah. time. It doesn't matter who is out on the floor. The bench is cheering, going nuts the whole time. I, I urge you to go check out the Halle Bird song, Bench Reaction. Because it was, I mean, you would have thought that they just won the Big West Championship again. It, it, was, it was an incredible, awesome. incredible reaction. And that's what you want from a team. And that's part of the reason that camaraderie is why they are so, so successful. I put it in my recap. I mean, it's the Rainbow Wahine way. Mm-hmm. They put on clamps on the defense. They have camaraderie for each other. And well, pretty damn. Yeah, just to put everything full circle, they are pretty good and they're really fun to watch. I can't say enough about Kelsey Emai, though, coming off the bench, 11 points, but she's just a total baller. Like, she's so fun to watch and just all her dribble drives and she's not afraid to go up and get those baskets. Deja Phillips leading the scores with 12. Uh, Melani B, always solid. And then, and of course, Lily Wahine Kapu. I can't say enough about Brooklyn Ruers also like just you can tell that she's a veteran of this sport coming over from somewhere like Michigan State and she's going to be solid for us throughout the whole season. But I said this the other day. It's nice when Hawaii gets these big leads because you can get someone like a Vivian Barrett her reps because she plays behind Brooklyn Ruers and she still has a long way to go to even get to that level of Brooklyn. But in order to begin to get better and to improve, there's only so much you can do in practice. So the fact that she is able to get her reps in game because the Rainbow Wahine are just able to, you know, have like 
have these huge leads. And then even Jade Peacock, there was like that play in that game. She only put up two points, but those two points that she did, I was like, okay, Jade, all right, that that's in you. There, There's the baller that's coming in over from Australia. So they're so fun, you guys. Like, I, I love this team like so much. And you guys hear us talk almost at nauseum about them and they deserve it. They're, they're a really, really good team. There's a reason why they're going to potentially three-peat barring any significant injuries, I don't see anyone like being able to stop them because even CSUN athletically, they look like they could very much compete. They did somewhat compete in the first quarter. Hawaii was only up 14-11 after the first quarter, but then second quarter, Hawaii outscored CSUN 18-9, third quarter 17-2. So there's that defense we talked about. And then of course the fourth quarter, they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit and it was 18-16, but they're awesome to watch. So hope to see you guys next week. But they do play on the road at UC Irvine on Thursday and then go to Riverside on Saturday. But of course, being over here, we have the University of Hawaii men's basketball team splitting on the road, uh, but coming back and playing this Thursday. I am very sad, you guys. I'm going to miss Taylor Swift night. <laughs> I can't believe How it. You? How dare I miss Taylor Swift night. Uh, this that's this Thursday for all of my fellow Swifty fans. This Thursday is Taylor Swift night with the University of Hawaii men's basketball team playing UC Irvine, which is always going to be a fun and competitive game anytime they play the Ant Eaters. And then on Saturday will be UC Riverside. So hope to see you guys there at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. <clears throat> then a lot of volleyball, but man, there's a lot of action going on. As it really is. <laughs> but it's going to be a fun time. And of course, the Sony Open stuff is going on. That's why I can't be there at Taylor Swift night. But we didn't give away our tickets. So there's a way you could see me potentially for Paul and Koo. Got to go. Bye.